Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, a product of Burn Orange Nation. This is your home for Texas Longhorn sports news and opinions with a little bit of an irreverent twist. Guys, thank you so much for listening in. So every week we'll bring you the best commentary on whatever's going on in the Texas sports landscape, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, track, National Signing Day, all of the above. We'll be here for you and your listening pleasure. And if you like what we do, it would really mean a lot to us if you would leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find the podcast. And I will be joined weekly by my friend, that Grey Poupon, that Evian, that TED Talk, Mr. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you doing today? Wonderful. Uh, that's the best introduction I've ever got, so uh, I'm going to frame that and send it to As my mom. As you thanks, should. Man. Kendrick, if we could use Kendrick lyrics to, to inter, inter, uh, introduce anybody, that's really the best praise that we can give. Uh, so what we're going to do this week, obviously the big news, Texas Longhorns late an egg against the Mar- Maryland Terrapins this Saturday. High hopes going into the game, very low uh, spirits coming out of the game, uh, depending on which side of the field you were on. So uh, Kyle, just overall impressions, like what did you think coming out of the game? Like what, what were your thoughts, feelings uh, about, about Texas coming out of that game? Uh, low spirits, high spirit intake um, by, by midday Saturday, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit here is uh, when is it okay to hope and, and believe again? Uh, we've been burnt a little bit, um, burnt orange in fact, but uh, I came away just uh, feeling that hopefully that can be a throwaway, uh, a week zero to our season starting week one next week. Um, uh, you saw a team that just didn't look ready to play and, uh, and a team that, that is, is learning to be winners. So uh, we can go into some of the, the exact finer points of it, but just kind of an overall uh, thesis to take away is I just didn't feel like that looked like a certainly a ranked team. Uh, that number next to their name was meaningless, and uh, they certainly just didn't look like a team that looked ready to carry on the Texas tradition that you and I knew um, you know, back in, in the more immediate glory days. So uh, hoping that that's, that's not a, uh, a sign of the Tom Herman era, and I don't think it is. I don't think this is a, you know, I don't think people need to overreact. But uh, it's certainly certainly something to, to learn from and grow from. For sure, and you hit on a couple things. One, like it was a it was an off season, a summer of touting cultural changes and touting attitude changes and touting just change overall. You know, they spent millions of dollars on the athletic facilities and the locker room, all because we're turning over a new leaf. This is a new Texas Longhorn program. You know, it, it's all brand spanking new. Everything's bright and shiny. Got a young new coach. And then it felt like the same old team on on Saturday. You know, they were the same defensive miscues, the same corners getting beat. You know, I sent some texts about specific players that I won't necessarily name because some of them follow me on social media. Um, like, I, it, there, there was just some bad play overall. Uh, you know, mental mistakes kept happening. And, and, you know, you said something there where you said, you know, we, we didn't deserve to be a ranked team. That's, that's the thing that really keeps coming back to my mind is that before the season, what was Tom Herman saying? We're a five and seven team. We are what our record says, and I wonder if that was just a little bit more than gamesmanship. I wonder if he was like, guys, like we're not very good. This is not a very good football team. So do not expect twelve and one in a college football playoff. Certain people saying, uh, like that's not the expectation you need to have. So coming out of that game, then, like, what do you think the immediate improvements? Because they've got, you know, we'll talk about San Jose State specifically here in just a moment. But you know, specifically, what are some things that we need to see improvement on? You know, going from from week one to week two this team's going to be successful 
Well, I think the the biggest and most immediate one that comes to mind is uh, is our quarterback passing game offensive line situation. Um, the kind of glaring question mark uh, post uh, coming out of that game is Bouchelle is actually questionable right now. They're reevaluating him every day with a shoulder, so um, he could end up uh, sitting against San Jose State heading into the USC game. So it'll be it'll be very interesting uh, how that gets settled or unsettled um, from the immediate. I wouldn't say that was a, a bright spot for us, but it, it had bright spots within it, the passing game. Um, oh man, I think the offensive line, the, the pass pro has to be, uh, for me, coming out the, the biggest concern. There's some scheme issues that I, I think uh, will get resolved, some play calling things that I, I was a little um, just kind of befuddled by that uh, I think – these things work themselves out. I, I don't think they're, you know, uh, inflexible or, or something that, that is indicative of a, of a, a failure or a system failure. Uh, but I do think that uh, there's some really key things here that have to immediately be resolved. And I think for my money, uh, the ability for Maryland, a, a team that to take nothing away from them, played incredibly, came out and, and played up to every single ounce of talent that was on that team and maybe even above that. Um, but just, just whip Texas. They were they were sending four man rushes, a little simple twist that would just absolutely make our linemen. I mean, there was one play. Uh, I think I remember who it was on on, on Twitter. Someone uh, got the perfect picture where we were triple teaming uh, a a tackle and letting an, an end run free to our quarterback, um, which is never good. That um, was a result of like I said, just a basic twist that that you know high school offensive linemen should should read and react to. Um, We've been running that since Corbett junior high, Kyle. Don't, don't get it. Don't get it twisted for <laughs> that's right. that, lack of a better pun. Shout out to coach Stacy. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't, I don't think that the talent that's there um, and the, the flashes that we saw, they are switching from a, a, you know, run first power uh, run blocking scheme. Um, they were play action on most passing downs to now. Um, I, I don't have a tally. I, I like to get that. I, I don't have it, but the number of play actions that we actually ran, I know how many uh, rushes we actually had, and it was rather pitiful. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think just just our overall passing game. Who's going to be behind center and then center guard tackle? Who's going to be the guys protecting him? Um, I, I just uh, that's an immediate concern. That's a red flag. You know, just a, an alarm going off for me. I I, I want to see in this San Jose State game the adjustments made that give confidence for the rest of the year yeah and I think you you hit on you know the triple teaming a, a tackle while the end runs runs free that's that's simple communication on the offensive line when you've got a guy you know like Connor Williams who's going to go in the first round like he's got to lead that he's got to be that vocal leader on that offensive line like he is he's the all-american he's the he's the the bell cow he's the blue chipper like he's got to be that vocal leader and you saw in the second half there were some adjustments you saw the the offensive lineman you know doing a doing a leg tap to to indicate, you know, gaps and, and assignments and things like that. So there were, uh, for the first time in at least three years, some some halftime adjustments made, which was nice. And we saw the we saw the results of that in the second half, where the offense moved. Um, but predominantly, one of the ways the offensive moved in that second half was was this Gerard Hurd, Lil Jordan Humphrey package that we saw once and then maybe twice and then never again. So, uh, you know, what do you think it's going to take to get the run game going outside of? you know, complete, complete uh, positional overhaul at, at quarterback and running back. I mean, I think out of their overall uh, rush attempts, uh, Shane Bouchelle had 
just under 50% of those, which is not a good number. He's not your, you know, your type of quarterback that you want your run game predicated on. Um, he has the ability to get free and move in the pocket. Don't want to take anything away from that part of his game, but that's not the recipe for success. I think uh, you have to establish uh, something at the point of attack. Um, I mean, when you have, like you said, a, a top 10 touted talent, Connor Williams, um, and next in Valle, who, who again has had some issues in the pass protection, but has truly been a, a masher in the run game. You have that on your left, you know, hand side against a first game of the season, a defense that's going to be drilled, but they're not. You can't compensate for two of the uh, better run blockers side by side in the conference. Um, I don't understand why you don't try to establish that early, uh, try to set it up. I don't know if there was overreaction and, and we quickly abandoned it, but uh, I think you have to go go to Porter and Warren and get them more than. Uh, 14 carries uh, in a game for you know a team that came off our immediate identity. I know this is a new coach, a new scheme, a new everything, but our immediate identity and the personnel and what they excelled at last year uh, was obviously a, a NFL talent and, and foreman, but was opening the holes. I mean, look at Warren; he, he, his stats have been have been great. Um, so I don't know if it's uh, some other uh, combination of, of running backs, if it's bringing in more of. Uh, players who aren't typically or listed at least on the depth chart in those positions with hurt at quarterback, uh, and especially with the injury that we may see that, or, or Humphrey at running back, which I believe you said uh, they yep. both in, in high school played those positions. Um, obviously, we know Hurt was quarterback and, and Humphrey. but uh, So, yeah, I don't know if it's a little bit of non-traditional flexing people out of uh, depth chart listed positions um, and just have some versatility uh, there. And, and I, I don't know what the answer is, but I, I do know that there has to be a focus on the running game, a dedication to it um, for the future. Uh, we'll talk about San Jose State a little bit, um, specifically on the game notes and, and how we think that'll line up. But uh, just from a, an ethos going forward, I think that has to be a priority. So we just spent like 10 minutes breaking down an offense that scored 41 points. Let's, let's, not, let's not get lost that they could put a little bit of, put a little bit of a, a points on the board. Now, granted, there were two uh, non-offensive touchers, three non-offensive three, touchers. Three, three, yeah. So, two special teams and one defense. Yeah, so they put up it's, – it's still, it's, you know, that's what, 20, 20 – I mean, 20 points, 21 points, so three scores um, is not bad. I mean, we obviously – in the Big 12, you're going to need twice that to win a game. So let's flip and see the defense – that's really where I saw more of the same uh, as I did last year. You know, blown blown coverages, out of positions. You know, uh, corners and safeties being half a step too late. So what? You know, the stat that I saw on on Saturday and wrote a whole story about was you know Maryland had 146 of their total offensive yardage came on their scoring plays. 30 percent of their total offensive yardage came on a scoring play. So like what what specifically on the defense? You know, you saw the rush. The run game was bad. It, it just it looked like they were. They were not not where they needed to be. So, what do you think the run the the defense specifically is going to look like this week? First, a, a grain of salt or a silver lining, um, like you said, with the offense. I saw equally with the defense was a halftime adjustment that uh, that paid off a little bit. Um, I think going to more base packages, uh, letting athletes be athletes, and, and let, letting guys uh, line up and play was was uh, more effective. I hate that you know a team like Texas would have to. Uh, resort to that as a long-term strategy. I think um, we have players who have excelled in high school who've, who've played very well uh, at times in the system. It's just a matter of optimizing that. But I think the thing that we saw in this game, in the second half at least, was going to more base defense and, uh, and able to just line up man for man um, and, and win some battles that way. Um, I think uh, specifically our, our secondary, Holton Hill, uh, was a little bit boomer bust. He had some fantastic plays, and I don't want to take anything away from him being one of our 
key performers on that day. If we win that game, it's largely in, in part to him um, making some some big time plays. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, some of our some of our safeties just uh, in the beginning in the first half it looked a little tentative. It looked like they were um, playing a little shackled. No one's getting downhill. Uh, people weren't getting off blocks. Uh, chop blocks were just annihilating our our safeties. Um, it, you know, it just didn't. Nothing looked particularly aggressive, um, a little tepid overall, and then uh, in pass protection, just busted coverage. I mean, we saw just just truly breakdowns. Um, And again, I don't know if that's a communication issue like you pointed out with the line, Uh, and it's a first game issue, and these guys will will have it worked out as they play more together. Um, But, uh, you know, typically defenses uh, gel a little faster than offense, so I would have liked to see see, uh, that not on that side of ball. But um, I think Going to base defense solved a not solved but helped a short term issue, but is not a long term solution for sure. And I think you you said it. You know, letting the athletes be athletes. We saw you know guys like Malik Jefferson play better than I saw him play all last year, which is you know a revolution for a guy that's that just innately talented. He's, he he played really well. You know, uh, the linebackers still though were out of position in a lot of spots. You saw them yeah. them cover the the A and C gaps, but the B gap was where the running back was headed. So um, right, you know, and we 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 need to move on here in just a minute. But I do want to do want to get your thoughts and impressions on like what is it going to take for this for this defense to hit the next level? Like you know, this is a defense that's that's stacked and and you know ridiculously talented. I mean, Charlie was never a slouch in the living room. If we could you know we could say what we want about halftime adjustments or whatever but dude brought right. in some talent so what do you think it's going to take to get this defense to 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 where it can compete week in and week out against you know west virginia who put up just yes. bonkers numbers you know against virginia tech yeah uh I, I don't want to fall back to the trope of this is a young team or a young defense like there's enough uh people who've been playing meaningful downs on that defense that that i don't think we get to, to use that excuse um so i think there's a little bit of you know new system and there's a little bit of cohesion issues and things that that hopefully will be solved um i mean if we want to transition just a a little bit and look ahead uh, obviously i don't want to look all the way ahead to usc because that's a terrifying uh chunk to bite off but um with with san jose state they uh they're going to come out and uh they're going to they're going to run the ball um, they have some returning talent at running back, and they they run they ran the ball pretty well um, against their uh, against their last opponent, Cal, Cal Poly Tech. Uh, they didn't have a ton of success against Charlie Strong's team. They started out well in the beginning, and then and then basically what happened is uh, I believe I don't have the number, but there was a lot of consecutive points scored by them, uh, at least thirty consecutive points by um, the uh, the the 2.0 horns, um, <laughs> the Bulls. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think, uh, what we're going to see is a chance, uh, again, for those guys to line up and be the better team on the field next week. And, uh, and so what I'm hoping is that there's some confidence, there's some aggression that shows up and, and just truly buying into, buying into the system and, and going out and playing downhill, um, keeping, you know, coverages relatively simple and letting guys who are just the better athlete go out there and win matchups. Um, we had kind of a, a bluff at the beginning with a pick six off a tip. Um, and then I think a course correction towards the second half. And I think the average is somewhere between that. I don't think we're going to be um, a defense that's getting three interceptions or four interceptions a game. I would love that, but I don't think that's necessarily the case, but I don't think that consistently, I hope uh, 
I don't think that consistently that we're going to be getting uh, getting beat one on one and having busted coverage where our guys are playing catch up, you know, four yards behind and the ball's already in the air. Um, it has to be said that it was another mobile quarterback that shred Texas apart, um, and that is nothing new. Um, that's that's nothing new, and they had two of them. Uh, Casey Mills is a fantastically talented freshman recruit. He was really touted. I believe Ohio State offered him, and he chose Maryland. Um, so, I mean, a very talented kid. So, not to take anything away from Pig Realm or or Hill, they 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 came out and executed their game plan, did it well. Uh, but I don't think that um, that you're going to see that this week with San Jose State. I don't think you're going to see a similar defensive uh, breakdown. What I think, hopefully, I would like to see is more turnovers. I like the idea that we can continue to have some uh, some things to take the pressure off our offense uh, as we're breaking in some new guys, uh, especially if Ellinger's behind center and taking snaps and uh, and running game is still kind of finding its feet. So I'm hoping we can have, you know, maybe two turnovers uh, and make this a consistent theme where we're making some plays outside of just the offense. Yeah, and I think that's 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 what you hit on is that the the defense just needs to be consistent. That's, that's what they need moving forward is, you know, it's not – the Big Twelve is is a passing league, and there you know there are other non conference games past San Jose State. You know we obviously don't want to look past. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry uh, yeah, San Jose State. Um, you know we don't want to look past San Jose State, but you know USC is gonna gonna put the ball up in the air. That's what they're gonna do. So yes. the the defense has to has to clamp down, has to play assignment football, and that's that. You can talk about mobile quarterbacks, you know, torching this defense year after year after year. It's assignment football. You know, it, it's defensive end takes the quarterback, linebacker takes the pitch, and that's that's assignment football. And that's how you that's how you stop an option and and defense back end defensive end don't lose containment. Like I can I can hear. You know, middle school coaches yelling at our DNs like, "Don't lose contain, don't lose contain." So it, it's 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 a lot of fundamentals that need to get. And obviously, you know, the the athletes are going to out athlete you from time to time. That's just what they do. But when push comes to shove, you know, more often than not, you need to be in position. And and if you get beat one on one by a better athlete, then that's that's a pill that you got to swallow. But I think if it's if it's the fundamentals, if it's out of position, if it's linebackers filling the wrong gaps, if it's you know lack of communication, that's that's not a pill that I'm that I'm okay with swallowing. But we you know we moved on a little bit and talked about you know this this week San Jose State. Um, you know so so you hit on the running game, you hit on the the passing game a little bit. They. San Jose State really hasn't been tested in the air at all. You know, they they they're not they're not really a great um, they're not a great school. They're not a great team. It's just it is what it is. You know, they lost to, by twenty to 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 USF. So where do we think the game plan goes for this week? Uh, it's very interesting with how the the strengths line up. So uh, last year they were uh, San Jose State was uh, 122nd uh, against the run, which was actually. Worse than Texas, but better than Texas Tech. Um, <laughs> just for for context, it was it was quite bad. Um, but uh, they were quite good against the pass. They're returning all four starting secondary uh, from the 19th best uh, yards per play, at least um, or yards per game, at least uh, defense in 2016. So uh, they're going to be good against the pass. So this this is why it's crucial and vital that Texas finds a solution to the running. And then you're going to need to spread the ball around. I mean, we saw in the fourth quarter when Colin Johnson really became an integral part of that offense that it, that it moved and it functioned better. And I, I want to see that continue no matter who's under center. Uh, we have just – I'll, I'll say this, the just to go back a little bit to what we've seen, the one group that has, has uh, that's looked good, that's lived up to the billing or, or maybe even exceeded is the receiving core. Um, we've seen a lot of playmakers, guys who can be counted on – not necessarily loving the the tight ends that that we've put out there, but that is this uh, Herman and Beck system. But um, but I do think that 
the receivers have looked good, and so that should be certainly uh, a big piece of our offense. But if we're just going to play strength against weakness, then uh, or just exploit weakness, then then running the ball against this team is going to be uh, going to be Texas's best bet. I mean, they did play a triple option team last year. The the Cal Poly has for the past four years been the number one uh, FCS rushing team. Um, so they are a good rushing offense, and they they shut them down. They held them to three yards of carry. They they looked pretty well, but you saw against uh, Charlie Strong in, in uh, South Florida that they had most of their success. They they threw the ball, I think, only like uh, like thirteen times. Um, so they really were were running the ball um, against them with with great success, and that's where they found that. So I'm I'm thinking that that's going to be uh, that's going to be pretty integral. Yeah, and in you know, all due respect to, to Cal Poly or even USF, but I think the the caliber of of play from the offensive line and running backs is not on the same level as it should as what Texas should be trotting out every week. You know, there's not a Connor Williams on either of those squads. There's not a, even a Patrick Vahe on either of those squads. One of my low key favorite players on the team. Uh, so if if they play as they should play, and if they play as physical as they should be, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Because, you know, before the injury last year, Chris Warren was the, the feature back. It, it was it was the Chris Warren show, you know, and, and Deontay really benefited from Chris Warren's injury because that's when he broke out, and that's when he got his name in the Heisman writing, and that's what got him paid and, and is the number two guy in Houston this year. Um, you know, the guy who, who was, you know, who is not the, the, the key offer coming out of high school. He was not the guy. And so uh, there's there no there, – those level of athletes don't exist on Cal Poly. And so I think – or USF even. So I think at some point, like you said, if, if this Texas team could get back to the fundamentals and get back to uh, just just being just mean and nasty at the point of attack, I think that's something that really needs to happen. I need – I, I want to see some pancake blocks. I want to see just somebody getting hogmollied. I will take a 15-yard penalty to see – you know, Patrick Vahe or Connor Williams just put somebody flat on their backside. Like, I want to see those types of things because that's, that's the kind of offensive line play that they need in the Big 12 is is, is aggressive. And, and, you know, obviously, it's a, like I said, it's a passing league. But, uh, you know, you you got to be balanced at some point. You've got to make sure that the, the teams that you're playing are going to respect the run or well, you'll end up in a situation like you did on Saturday where Maryland can can rush four and have you know seven seven defenders defending the pass plays and there's only so much talent in size for Colin Johnson to get up and, and out jump people. Absolutely. And I think all offseason we doubted that the big thing you saw was one and one and Well that's not gonna happen, right? They're they are not one and they are they are oh and one. But I think you wipe that slate clean and you say season starts today. Let's start it over. Let's not forget that happened. Let's learn from it. I think the biggest thing that Tom Herman will prove, and I, I'm crossing my fingers here, is that he comes out and, and a lot of these things are addressed and and uh, countered. And you see the adjustments we saw at halftime. You see that during the week. And you see things. But this is the new you know, one and zero or one and one. Right now we're fighting to get back even. We're fighting to to get you know on the win win sheet to get uh, some momentum heading into USC, which is going to be an unbelievable test, um, and then heading into conference play. Um, so I think uh, ultimately just discipline from the defense, uh, you know, a dedication in the play calling to um, a little more balance. I think the the stat was fifty seven touches uh, or something like that. Uh, fifty two attempts plus twelve rushes, so sixty four. Um, touches for for Bouchelle, which is more than Vince Young ever had in a single game at UT, which is not a stat that I like. You know, let's let's uh, have a little more diversity in that, use some of the weapons that we have. Um, and I think if we do that, like you said, the superior team, uh, the superior talent with adequate coaching and discipline to what they 
or, or coach and assigned to do will come out on top and, and get this Texas team, get some momentum back. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, again, mean to use crutches, but we're a little bit another week removed from, you know, a hurricane that swept. And, and truly, there's so many guys from Houston and the, the coast on this Texas team that, you know, think about that stuff just going through your mind. Like, it's a chance to say, okay, slate clean. Let's let it go. Let's learn from this. You know, people say fail fast, right, in the, in the tech industry. Fail fast. We did that. We lost. You know, we lost week one. Uh, if there's ever a week to lose, it's week one. In the in the end polls and at the end of the season, that is the least impact. You know, you win the rest of your games, which I'm not saying we're going 12 and one, but you win your rest of your games, people don't care about that one. So if there's a chance to do it, this was it. So let's let Tom Herman coach. Let's let him show uh, why he was so you know sought after in Todd Orlando and this whole staff. Uh, and and uh, let's come back next week on this podcast and talk about the adjustments that we saw and and, and the hope that that gives us. So um, ultimately, I think UT's the better team, and we should come out. Uh, and show that Absolutely, on, on and I think I think the the key word is is uh, pay attention, but don't panic. Is what I would say. I think you know Nick Saban came out and got blasted in his first head coach with the head coaching job with a major school. So uh, I'm not saying that Tom Herman is Nick Saban, but I am saying that. Uh, great things can happen even after after these dismal starts. So we're going to transition very quickly to our closing segment. This is something that I always love to do. Is So looking this week, Kyle, what is one thing you want to look for? And we're going to weekly call this Bang the Drum in honor of one of my favorite you know, Texas traditions, Big Bertha. There's something that will just get you so hype about a bass drum just banging on the field as the band get re- gets ready to come out and you see the, the skinny guys and the, the fringe just spinning it around as fast as they can. I absolutely love it so kyle what are we banging the drum for this week i just want to clarify this has nothing to do with the fact that uh, that your roommate was featured as the uh, the band member on one of the ncaa video games uh standing next to the drum correct that's not it no <laughs> okay well um I, uh, I i also love that tradition i love big bertha um and and this week i want to bang the drum um to just kind of one one thing uh, to look for is how we integrate um todd or excuse me uh, Tom Herman's kind of base package with with the tight end, um, either flexed or in, but being an every every down player. When we lost Beck, um, we, you and I have jokingly called it the curse of Jermichael Finley. Uh, there hasn't been since he left to go to the NFL early a uh, a successful uh, and healthy tight end. Uh, Blaine Irby was great until he got hurt, and we've had a few instances of uh, where it looked like it was pretty good. But uh, I know we had some uh, some pretty valiant effort some guys who uh weren't necessarily uh, in that position who, who flexed a little more to the tight end just due to roster need um and uh and and we've had it, in one game small sample size not a a ton of success we're almost i feel like if we went empty back and we had that fifth guy as a uh, little jordan humphrey who, who's you know tall he may not be a uh, a blocking tight end, but uh, or or had just some more speed out there with the ability to to open the field up a little bit. Um, just not taking that out completely, but how we come out and how the tight end plays into uh, into the scheme for this week and, and the ensuing weeks with obviously uh, our, our starting tight end uh, out for the season. So it'll be a bit of a long term adjustment um, how how that uh, turns out, or if there's someone who's ready to step up. Um, so ultimately, that's a position that I'm going to be watching. Uh, pretty closely, uh, both from the players and from from the coaching staff, and, and how 
uh, all of them adapt. Absolutely, I think the the tight end spot it's it's an unsung hero because if you if you can't get that edge blocking and you can't get somebody that can at least be a threat at the flag in the red zone, then then you're definitely behind the eight ball in a lot of ways. So what I want to bang the drum on this week is the I don't know what we're calling it, but that that herd Humphrey package that we saw that just absolutely carved up the Maryland defense. Um, those are two of the the better athletes on the team. You know you know. Gerard Hurd was QB1 two years ago, and, and little Jordan Humphrey was was a stud coming out of high school. You know, he played wide receiver, running back, quarterback. He was all over the field. Um, and those are those are two guys that you know. I, obviously, you don't want to you don't want to go to the well too often. We saw that a little bit with the 18 wheeler package a season ago. But I think if we can get some consistency out of that, those are those are two guys that can run his own read really really well uh, that can execute. And they're both again top end athletes. Gerard Hurd is one of the fastest guys on the team. If I if my my research has, has indicated correctly, and obviously he he won some big games as a QB. And and little Jordan Humphrey's just a stud athlete. He's six five, almost two pounds I think he's listed at 199 which when you get the when you get the nines and the sixes on the on the media guide then you know that's actually what they weigh so um so they're 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 big strong athletes and they're they're fantastic so I'd love to see uh, just like you said earlier I think put put the ball in the hands of your athletes and, and let them win you a football game so that's what that's what I want to bang the drum on this week absolutely and sorry just one quick thing uh I'd I love going going to that um I just want to reiterate that at the University of Texas we are not a gadget program so I don't want to rely too heavily on uh, on any kind of, of gadget but to to uh, prove that uh, some, some smart Texas Longhorns are agreeing with you I saw John Childs responded to someone on Twitter who said Tom Herman needs a a mobile quarterback and uh, he said we have Gerard Hurd on the roster so uh, from one mobile quarterback who uh, who flexed out to receiver maybe some some empathy there um, but I think uh, a lot of people would, would agree with you, and I think that's absolutely a, a, going to be a critical part going forward. Absolutely. So thank you so much for listening into the first edition of the Longhorn Republic. And again, if you liked what we did today, it would mean a ton if you left us a review or a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or, or Spotify or wherever you found the podcast. Uh, you can send us an email at longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Kyle, where can the good folks find you and your work on the Internet? Uh, I am uh, at Kyle Carpenter on Twitter. During the football season, I will be uh, heavily Longhorn football. I, I will occasionally tweet about other things, but just skip those. Get right to the football stuff. Uh, I do write a, uh, a weekly um, preview column for uh, a sister website, uh, Barking Carnival, called the Texas Pregamer. I hope you'll check that out. It's not quite as X's and O's focused as it is more uh, satire and humor and trying to add some levity uh, in uh, in the past few years. We've been doing it about four or five years, um, which kind of coincides with uh, with not the single greatest point in our, our program's history. But um, So you can check out the Texas Pregamer there, and you can also uh, follow me on, on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. Guys, you can find me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. If you're into nerd news and comic books, you can also check out my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds. We do that on Wednesdays every week. Thank you guys for listening, and until next time, thanks and hook them. Thanks.